You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. I thank for the beauty of spring, for the glory of summer. May you keep those who are cold warm, those of us who are hot cool. Um, may everything I say is of you be cemented in our spirits and in our minds and in our emotions. Everything that's not of you, won't you, you blow it away in the, in the wind. So Father, I, I, I also ask that as we go through some of the issues we have here with technology and whatnot, that it doesn't become a, a, a distraction uh, to us. And that, yeah, we just like enjoy the, the moment. Fabulous. Let's do that if we, if we can. We'll move it afterwards when... We start. Yeah. Oh, <coughs> Have tent, can travel. Awesome. So, in light of spring, and you know, and I try hard not to go, okay, fine, it's spring, we've got to talk about a spring message. Now, I do understand it's Easter, we will have an Easter message, it's Christmas, we'll have a Christmas message, um, it, it's a, there's a baby dedication, we'll have something about children or something, but you, you do get caught up, but for me, it's a case of, of these, these building blocks that we, we're continually building as we, as we prune, as we grow, as we move from one season into another, and so my message this morning, I don't really know what to call it, I started calling it the time is now. And the, but then I suppose every Sunday is the time is now, you know, um, every, every Monday the time is now. And I thought, well, that's a bit, bit odd. And then I was like, want to talk about great faith and everything. It sounds all good. <laughs> so we're all good and sorted. Should, do we, what do you guys want to do? Should we go for it? Fantastic. So this morning I'm wanting to, to draw you into a story about Joshua. And remember last, in the, in the past couple of weeks when I was talking about letters in the book of Revelation, many letters, one book, the letters in the book of Revelation, I was saying that this isn't that, that um, what was I going to say? Okay, let's press pause. Slow down. I'm going too fast, Brian. I've got to get through a lot. I'm sharing in Durban this coming week on, on finances and I did a, a message a couple of months ago to a group of leaders and a lot of people asked me to go back and share this message to them. So I'm really excited. I thought, I'm, you know, it's going to be easy. I'm just sharing the same message seven times. And then I realized that when my computer got stolen a couple of months ago, all my notes, all my prep, everything went with my computer. So I've got no notes on it. So I was able to get the PowerPoint presentation that I'd sent to one of the churches back. So I had to start again off my PowerPoint presentation. So I've got eight slides or thereabout and to prepare my message. I'm so nervous that they're going to go, my goodness, when I heard version one, it seems so much better than, than what you do, do now. But anyway, I'm excited about it now. And I, I sent a message to the churches that I'm going to go be, be chatty in. I said, you know, what time must I be there? How long do I have to minister, etc." So some of the churches came back and said, you've got two hours. We're doing 45 minutes, coffee, 45 minutes, and then Q&A for half an hour. So you've got, 40, you've got two hours to talk. And some churches came back and said, you've got 35 minutes. I go, oh my goodness, how do you do the same message in a two hour and a 35 minute? 
Um, but I suppose you just add in a, a, a lot more waffle. Not only joking. But bless you and all, this, and all those sitting around you. So the time is now. This is the moment. This is the moment where Holy Spirit is going to unlock and do something in all those of us who put our hands out and say, Here am I, Lord. Use me. I'm going to share a bit from the book of Joshua and the story of Joshua because I think there's something that we can learn. There's something we can grasp onto. That some of this story can become our story. And I believe that the story captures something what Holy Spirit has wanted to do in us and through us at the moment. And bless you too. I'm tempted to say this sneeze is contagious, but in a time of COVID, you daren't say things like that. But I break that as a, you know, be, be healed and set free and be dry in Jesus' name. Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I have promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given you. No one will be able to stand against you as you live long, as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with, with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for the one who will lead these people to possess all this land, I swore to their ancestors. And if we imagine this for a moment, there's a whole generation that has been walking and wandering for 40 years. And I think that we can look around us, we can look around our city and we can say there's a city, there's a nation that has been wandering for, for so many years, for decades. And yet the time has come. There is this moment when they're about to walk into their dreams. And I think that, you know, maybe 24 years ago when we had our first democratic um, election, we thought, okay, we're going to walk into our dreams. This is the moment that has come. This is the moment where we're going to walk, we're going to vote, we're going to go into a new democracy. This is the time that our nation has been crying out for. And we all entered into that season. We think, where is that promise? Where is that hope? that I thought was going to materialize, even as we start to prepare for elections again on the 1st of November, we say, but Father God, where are the promises? Where are those things? We've been wondering for the past 24, 25, 30 years, and we still want those promises, the, the, the fulfillment of all those things that we had hoped for then. Father God, why aren't you taking us into that? And God had promised them this land. God had promised them this moment. This was their destiny. And now Joshua is about to lead them into this moment. And God speaks and says, this is the time. This is your moment. This is the opportunity I'm giving you to lead your people. And friends, I believe that Holy Spirit is saying to all of us now, for those who are willing, this is your moment. This is your time. I have created, I am looking for those who are ready to lead a city, a nation, a community, a neighborhood, a business, a life group, a church into the fulfillment of the promises that I have made. Friends, we can't be fed up, we can't be frustrated because we don't see the fulfillment of the prophetic word. We don't see a fulfillment of the promises of God where we sit on the sidelines and we, get, and we marginalize because we don't take personal responsibility of saying, I see those promises. I put in my hands, here am I, Father God, won't you use me? 
Uh, so I want to take you back to 40 years to the book of Numbers 13, where God is ready to lead his people into the tr- promised land. God has this dream that he unlocks and unleashes over his people. And God says, I want more for you. And I believe God is saying to us as a community, as a nation, and even as families and as individuals, Deline, God says he wants more for you. Ashes, God is saying, I want more for you. There is this generation who gather and hear the promises of God. And in Numbers 13 verse 2 we read, Send out men to go and explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And so friends, we, we, they, they, they get and we get this, a, a prophetic word from God. God is saying, I want you to go impact your city. And so we send out our spies. And who are the spies that we send out? We send out the marks and the Francois and the, and, and the folk to go into the M1, to go into the townships, to go into Alex. We send out people like Ivan and Co. to go into those areas and spy out the promised land and then come back and give us a report. Who are the spies that we are sent out? Who are the prophetic people that we are sending out at the moment to go, Ali, go out to M1, go out to Lacey, come back and give us a great report. Where, and Ali comes back and says, this is the moment. God is taking us in to a promised land called M1 where we can go and bring hope and we can go set a community of ladies free and we can show them how much God loves them and how much He has in store for them and how beautiful and wonderful they are. And so we too send out our spies and they come back with a good report. And Numbers 13.25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel. They reported the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit of what they had taken from the land. And so the spies go out into the land and they come back not just with, I think it's a good idea. They come back with, there is fruit there is evidence. There's something tangible. Um, I, I, I can show you the evidence of the goodness of God and what God is doing and where God wants to lead us. And so in our context, we have people who come back and go, there's a group of leaders who are hungry for us to go in and partner with them. There's an opportunity for us to go and start vegetable gardens. There's an opportunity for us to go and feed people. There's an opportunity for us to go and bring counsel and help and restore people. There's a beauty of what God is doing. So our spies come back and say, here's the evidence of what God wants to do in us and through us in the, in the promised land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country. It is full of promises and the fruit that our spies bring back might not be huge pomegranates and grapes and whatever the case may be. But they come back, there, are, there is yeah, this cabbage and lettuce. But our spies bring back, there is, there is a beauty of people. There is a community to love. There's an opportunity to change. A land flame with milk and honey. And here is the fruit it produces. And they bring them the fruit to confirm God's destiny for them. And to say that this is an unbelievable opportunity for us. And for me, like, if I was part of the community and these spies had come back to me, to be honest, I think I would have been terribly disappointed. You know, if the spies come back to me and say, there is, a land, there is a land full of milk and honey, I'm going, dude, I want more than breakfast. You know, 
Don't come back and say there's a land of milk and honey. No, that's breakfast. I want to come back and say there are bras and there are Borovos rolls, you know, and there is the meat company on every street corner or something, you know. I want, I want more than veggies, you know. And, but the spies come back and say there is something tremendous out there. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. And we saw giants there, descendants of Anak. And so maybe our spies come back and say to us that there is a land of milk and there's a land of opportunities, a land of people and ladies and beauty and fulfillment. But there are giants. It's dirty. There's no sanitation. There's no electricity. Security might not be great. It might be difficult to find parking. And they come back with giants. But Caleb tried to quieten the people and stood before, them, before Moses and said, let's go at once and take this lad. We surely have an opportunity to conquer it. And so some of the people come back and go, there is a land out there and there are giants out there and we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And how are we going to protect people? How are we going to do electricity? And where are we going to wash our hands? And how are we going to be nice? And how are we going to be safe? And will my car be okay? Friends, everything will be fine. And there's a group of people who go, yes, forget those giants. Look who we are in God. Let's go and make a difference. Caleb wasn't intimidated. He was not distracted by what he saw in the natural. He was firmly focused on what he saw in the supernatural and the call of God on and over them. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. How can we go up against them? They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report and said that it's dirty, there's crime, there's nowhere to wash your hands, there's nowhere to park your car, you might have to take, a, you might have to take your own chairs, you might even have to take a generator. How on earth can we go? If God's called us there, then surely all of those things would be there. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And all the people we saw were huge. They were dirty, they were unhygienic. They were drunk. They were stoned. They didn't look like Jesus. Well, friends, they don't look like Jesus if you've never shown them or introduced them to Jesus. How can we expect a community of people to look and act and belong like Jesus if they have no idea who Jesus is? Because everybody sees the giants. We even saw giants there. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night, Woe is me! Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, if only we had set up camp and been passive, if only we had set up camp and been okay, when it was just me and my small corner, when it was just me and my garden, everything was hunky-dory, it was fine, and we sang Kumbaya, and we were able to do it in the right key. Where is the Lord taking us to this country? Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? And here is this moment where God is ready to take them into something amazing. Friends, I believe that God is wanting to take His believers into something amazing. That the time is now for us to do something and yet these people only see the obstacles 
and they shrink back in fear. And their excuse could be, only do it if you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, then don't worry about it. The promised land can wait. We can go around the mountain for another 40 years. We can go wander in the desert for another 40 years until such time that you feel that you are comfortable and okay to go. And so they become, begun, so they began complaining. Oh, it's easy to be in bondage and slavery than it is to live in faith in the promises of God. I want to suggest that living in the faith and the promises of God isn't always easy. Living in faith can often be painful. Living in faith is often uncomfortable. Most of us who, set, who step out in faith and go and do things, to be honest, I seldom wake up on a Saturday morning and go, Yes! I get to wake up early today. I get to go and be dirty. I get to go and hang around in a, in a place full of germs. Now, yesterday, I, I didn't even want to get out my car for 20 minutes because where my car was parked, it was just like yuck. You know, and I'm, uh, I, I seldom wake up thinking, oh, I can't wait to go do that. Steady out in faith is not always convenient. But my goodness, it's rewarding when we grow and we see the land of milk and honey begin to flow. And so these folk, they, they choose fear. Now, I can't go. It's dirty. I can't go. There's COVID. I can't go because of A, B, and C. And they choose to remain and be passive. Even the prophetic word, or not necessarily the prophetic word, but some of the words that have come through in the pop in the past two, two prayer meetings and Candace started it was saying that we've just got to a stage of the past while where the church has become passive drowsy, drowsy has become, become drowsy and verse 9 two of the men who had explored the land Joshua and Caleb tore their clothing and they said to all the people of Israel the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land and if the Lord is pleased with us he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. Isn't that just amazing? God says, Stu, my brew, if you go to the land that I promised you, I will bring you safely into that land and I'll give that land to you. It is rich and flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of that land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. And so friends, a whole nation, a whole community shrink back. They shrink into apathy. They shrink into fear. And two people step into the promises. Two people raise their hands and say, Here am I, Lord, use me. And this is a prophetic declaration. They stand up and say, Here am I, use me. Why? People can only stand up and say, here am I, use me, when you understand your identity in God. When you know who and whose you are, you can stand up and say, here I am, use me, Lord, because I know that your promises are good, that I am yours, that you will look after me, that you will protect me, that you will love me, that you are with me, that I am with you. When we know our identity in Him, that's when we can say, here am I, use me. People who can't put up their hats and say, here am I, use me. They are the people I would suggest that more often than not, that's my asterisk, my get out of jail, terms and fees and conditions, everything apply, because every now and then there's other reasons. But the people who don't know who they are and whose they are are the people who go, I can't do that. 
that's too big for me. That's too scary for me. My God can't make that happen. My God won't protect me. What am I going to do when I get there? And Caleb and Joshua say, yes, God is with us. We're going to go and do this and we're going to go make it happen. And we're going to go fulfill the prophetic word. We're going to go into land of milk and honey. And they go, yes, fantastic. And the whole community around them go, we are so excited. We are behind you, Stu. We just can't wait to go with you. Right? No. They say, let's stone them. Have you ever had faith for something? A dream or a passion for what God wants to do in you and through you? A place where you know that you can go and make a difference. Where you are believing and trusting God for something. And it's so alive in you. You don't understand why it's not contagious. And everybody else should be able to do this and to see it and want to do it. And it seems like nobody gets it but you. And you feel so alone and despondent and fed up with your dream. And friends, here a whole nation chooses fear. And two people choose faith. And this generation chose to live in their fear and be paralyzed by their fear. And God looks at Joshua and Caleb. And God is looking for those amongst us. God is looking for the you's and the me's. The people who have an audacious and courageous faith. Because this is how faith works. If we don't have faith for something, it will never materialize. We can't say, Lord, there they are. Let them go and change something. I've got no faith for it to happen or to, be, or to change. God is looking for faith. And we speak about having faith. But we need to understand what faith is and this audacious, courageous, bold, sense of adventure, Iron Man type faith. This morning, friends, I'm not talking about having faith in God. I'm not talking about, uh, but I'm talking about believing God for the impossible. I can have faith in God without believing that God can actually do anything. It's about hearing God's voice. And knowing what, what God wants to do in our generation, hearing God's voice came through in the prayer meeting this morning, that we hear God's voice and therefore we know what God wants to do and then it's giving ourselves to doing it. God, I know what it is. I hear your voice. I know what you want to do and now I'm going to step out in faith and partner with you as you partner with me and Holy Spirit, come, let's go on the ride of our lives. Let's go on this adventure and go and change and transform. Many of us have passion. And passion is a good thing. I'm passionate about so many things. I don't think I'm quite as passionate about Chelsea football as Alison is. But I watch Manchester Unite and, you know, uh, you know Ronaldo come, come to Chelsea, amen. The, the passion is when you feel something deeply about something. You can have passion for food, you can have passion for football, you can have passion for your community, you can have passion for your nation, you can have passion for men's ministry, you can have passion for worship. When we have passion, we feel deeply and strongly about something. And when we seek God, that passion becomes vision. I don't just have a passion for something, I have a vision for something. 
No, Ina has a, has a passion for what she does and a passion to do it. But her passion became a vision and she was able to get more people excited about it and enthused in it. A vision is seeing yourself do something about the passion that you have. And the audacious, courageous faith part is seeing the God part in that. I can have a passion of something and vision is, Lord, I want to see that passion become reality. And faith is saying, God, where are you in this? Let you and I ride, what are those two bicycles called? Yeah, let you and I, Holy Spirit, ride tandem. Although the reality is God's not with, in front of us or behind us. He is with us, you know. So, but we're going to go ride tandem into this adventure together. I have a passion. God gives me a vision. And the God wanting to do it and us wanting to do it with God is where the audacious faith comes in. The reality is I think that often God wants to do it more than you want to do it. If God has put a passion in you and God's put a vision in you and God's saying, Stu, my brew, I want to partner with you. I want to go do this thing. I would suggest it's more because it's something that really is important to him. And the only reason why I do it is because it burns in me because it burns in him. And I have a common heartbeat with Holy Spirit. And faith begins with a desire. And that's why if we desire to see the ladies in our community changed, we need to do more and step out and go, okay, fine, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be part of changing and transforming this community. I want you to be part of changing and transforming my body corporate, my estate, my work, my office, my team, my group of friends. Because when, when you meet Jesus, Jesus, by His Holy Spirit, puts a deep desire in you to please Him. You don't please Him out of works. So we don't go and help the poor or the rich or the A's or the B's or whatever. We don't go and do it out of words, but we do it because we want to please Him. Why? Because we share a heartbeat with Him. We want to do things that Holy Spirit is doing. Lord, I want to do things with you. I want to love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to do what it is that you've called us to. I don't want to let my apathy and my excuses become my get out of kingdom, jail, free card. My excuse to do nothing. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And God loves you and God's besotted with you. And even as we said in the prayer meeting last week and this week, that if you never do anything, God loves you. Before you were created... God loved you. But we were created to have life. And life isn't just consuming oxygen. It's to have life and life to the full. To have, a, you know, even in my finance course next week, I'm saying we don't do things to have a long life. But I want to have a long life and a well-lived life. I want to have a quality of long life. Not just eek into my like 120s you know i want to you know Alison says you know, when she turns 80 she's, she's going to dye her hair and be, you know become like you know you know but i want to be i, I no, actually i don't want to be a roller skater or a skateboarder but but i want to be a a radical for god when i turn 120 and if i'm not lord take me out at like 
45 or something. Because we were created for life and to live life to the full. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Our faith is confidence what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see. Faith is a deep con- confidence. Faith is the full confidence in who God is. Faith isn't, oh God, it's about a program. Faith isn't about an agenda. Faith isn't necessarily about a community. Faith is the confidence in who God is and who we are in Him. I would suggest that you can't have significant faith if you don't know who God is. And you can't have significant faith if you don't know who God is in you. But when you know who God is and who God is in you, you can have outrageous, outlandish, courageous, ridiculous faith. Friends, why is a nation that is predominantly so-called Christian not radiating and radical for God outside of the church on a Sunday morning? The answer to that was in my preach last Sunday, so go back and listen to it. We have so many Christians who wonder, wonder where God is, wonder where the fulfillment of my prophetic word is, where is the fulfillment of the promises of God. We have so many Christians who wander around aimlessly, directionally and visionlessly, visionless. Wonder why there is so much hopelessness and helplessness around. So many Christians who wander from church to church from paycheck to paycheck, from relationship to relationship, where there's no deep sense of depth, of destiny, of determination. And this morning, I believe God wants to remind us that He has planted a seed of faith in you, and that faith wants to grow. Friends, we have everything in us, God hasn't put a baby Holy Spirit in a new convert and we work at it. We have everything in us. But that that's in us needs to grow. It needs to mature. It needs to be stronger. It was my intention to get, like um, Dillian gave me the, um, the thought last week when she gave me some cups with baby brinjals in. So thanks so much for that. So I've got my compost there and I've got the cups, but yesterday I forgot to go and collect the seeds. So my, my plan was to give us all a little seed and, and you, a little seed with a little fruit tree and to say, actually, this is a 100% fruit. This is a 100% lemon. You can't say this is only 20% lemon and 8%... I have no idea. Yeah, pawpaw. It's, it's 100% lemon. But is there fruit from this lemon at the moment? No, but it, the fruit, because there's no fruit, it doesn't mean it's not 100% lemon. But as that lemon grows and matures, it slowly produces a bud and then a flower and then a little lemon. And a little lemon is still 100% lemon, although you can't eat it. It's not necessarily a great fruit yet, but it's still 100% lemon. And that's like faith. We have 100% faith, but as we, as we water it, by getting to know and be consumed and immersed into the goodness of God. And as we start to use our faith in little bits, it's like when you are a dad and you want to teach your kids to to dive into the pool. You stand so close to the edge and you go, jump! And they're scared. You go, no, jump! And then they, they jump and you catch them before they even hit the water. 
and you, okay, you can do it again, jump, and now they have a little bit more bravado. And then you jump, and then you take a step backwards, and then you take a step backwards, and eventually they, they, they're jumping. But the reality is, if we had gone all the way to the other end and go, okay, dude, jump, and you know, they, they would still not be jumping by the time they're 30. The reason why we can do that is because in that situation, we're saying, trust me, I'll catch you. I'm there for you. Little step, little jump. As the Holy Spirit is saying to those of us who are maybe new at faith, you might not have the confidence to go and raise the dead yet. But just hang around somebody who prays for the sick. Little step. And as you realize, God, you're faithful. God, I can trust you. God, I can go to, I don't have to go to Alexandra or to M1 or something yet. I can just go to pick and pay and say hello to somebody. Little step, little step. And Anne, you weren't here last week, but I was just encouraging folk like yourself with the resurrection team. And we need to resurrect the resurrection team, you know, you know so that when we hear people who have passed away, that we can call the resurrection team to go do something about it. And I was just apologizing last week, somebody that I know, um, a child died. I don't know them, but I know of them. And so I sent a financial gift instead of praying for them. I'm like, where on earth have I got to? And that's where we hold one another to account. Let me remind you of who you are. Let your faith grow. Let your faith mature. Again, it's not a general thing that I have faith in God, that I'm faithful. It's growing to have courageous, strong, amazing, audacious faith. Faith that is extremely bold or daring, with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. I love the conventional thought part here, because like for me, sometimes I think, oh my goodness. Even the people that we've been speaking to this, this week, they go, you're not quite the conventional church, are you? I go, I love that compliment. <laughs> Say it again! You know? Faith, so what is audacious and courageous faith? Faith that is extremely bold or daring with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. Fearless, shameless, and recklessly daring. Showing a willingness you take risks. Ah, oh, that's the type of faith that moves mountains. It's not just a desire to see less giants. Sometimes we think, Father God, I don't want to see less giants. So these guys go into the promised land and they see the obstacles. They see, le- they see the giants. And friends, I want to say, I don't want us to see less giants. Because if we see less giants, we, we might not see the opportunities that are there. I don't want us to see less giants. I just want us to see more Jesus. So because so often what happens is people go to places where there are no giants. But often where there's no giants, there's no need for Jesus. Because we can say that in most churches, there should be less giants. But in most churches, we need more Jesus as well. I shouldn't have said that. So it's not to see less giants. uh, Joshua and Caleb ended up seeing the fulfillment of the promises that God had given the nation. But it didn't come in that moment. They had to go around for 80 years. But imagine what had happened if they had gone in on day one. 
God's plan is day one. God's plan isn't let's train and train and get together and kumbaya. God's plan is no, there's outreach on Saturday, let's do it. God's plan is there's a nation to change, let's do it. God's plan is a family down the road who need loving, let's do it. God's plan is that there is a, a, a community that needs help. We do. God's plan that there is prayer that is needed in here. God's plan is that inside this community, inside this house, there are people who need love, who need encouragement, who need to be reminded of their identity. Let's do it. Let's not wait. It wasn't just that they saw giants. Because friends, you and I will see giants. You can't live a life of faith without seeing giants. What are you having faith to overcome if there's no giants in your life? But it's these moments where if God doesn't show up, we are, and I cross out the word I put here and I put pickled. (laughs) We really are pickled in some things if God doesn't show up. Friends, regularly I do things, I go, oh Lord, if you don't show up, I'm a mess. You know, and sometimes it's Sunday mornings. Lord, please, will you show up? If you don't show up, I'm a mess. Sometimes I wake up on a, or on Saturdays, or even on Sunday mornings, I wake up and go, oh, look at the giants. Look at the weather. Look at all the WhatsApps that are coming through, people who aren't going to be here. Look at the the electricity that's happening. Look at the state of my kitchen. (laughs) I just wake up, look at all the giants. I go, oh, Lord. But you know me, and you've called me, and you've chosen me. And so I say to that fear, footsack in Jesus' name. Because fear causes us to live for the praise and acceptance of man, not for God. Fear causes me to compare myself to others, our church to another church, my leadership to another leader. There's so many reasons why I can disqualify myself for doing things. There's one reason for doing it. Because God loves me and I love him. Friends, I would suggest that fear is one of the most destructive and yet tolerated issues in the church. How's my time doing? Be honest, Ash. Okay, that was good. No, fear is one of the most destructive and tolerated issues in the church. What do I mean? If someone is downright evil, if someone is downright corrupt, if somebody is a compulsive liar, if somebody regularly walks away with the silver, if somebody regularly takes your wallet out your bag at church on a Sunday morning, if somebody has a reputation for always being manipulative and lying, somebody will eventually say to them, hey, dude, what you do doesn't line up with who you say you are. That is not a behavior that is acceptable. That is not a character that demonstrates and reflects the goodness of God. At some stage, somebody will stand up and call you out and say, you need to change your everything. Somebody will say, actually, this character, this thing is not good. But sadly, in a church context, we can often live our whole life in fear of failure, in fear of reputation, in fear of man, 
in fear that nobody's going to love me, in fear that no one's going to accept me, in fear that I'm going to get it wrong, in fear that they're not going to get healed, in fear that I'm going to get pickpocketed, in fear that I'm going to get sick, in fear that I don't have finances for it, in fear that I can't afford it, in fear that my baking is not good enough, and whatever the case may be. And often those fears are a culmination, I'm just not loved. I'm insecure. I don't know who I am, and I don't know whose I am. Those who are really deeply loved will do the most for Him and step out in faith. If you don't really believe who you are, if you don't believe that God is with you, if you don't believe and know that you are adored, that you can't mess it up, if you hang around with people where failure is something to be celebrated for, because failure is at least doing something, rather than be apathetic by faith, I would rather celebrate you go out and you do something, even if it doesn't pan out well, than be arbitrary and do nothing. When you know exactly who you are, you step out and you do things. Why? Because you know you loved. If I bum out on a Sunday morning, I know that you'll still love me. And so I get up here and I do my best on a Sunday morning because I know that God has called me and if I bomb, you'll encourage me and you'll love me. Rather than say, actually, let me tap out now. I'm so scared of getting it wrong that I'd rather do nothing at all. You don't take risks when you are afraid. You don't take risks when you fear failure. You don't take risks when you don't know who you are. Friends, God likes to use us in our strength, but He looks to use us in our weaknesses because that's where He gets glory and you grow and mature. Sometimes we may feel like a grasshopper, but that's when the Lord reminds me, or even my friends remind me who I am. That's why we've got to get together. That's why we've got to know each other's stories. That's why we've got to be able to say, actually, I'm having a bit of a bummer of a week. I'm not feeling victorious. Because then we can remind one another and say, actually, but let me remind you of what God says about you. He chose you. I want to remind you of his covenant love for you, of his outrageous commitment to you. Because friends, if God chose me, I must believe that he had a reason for it. I believe that we are meant to be a Joshua type person for our day. I believe that this church has the potential if we say now is the time and this is the moment that we have the potential to do the most ridiculous, outlandish, courageous things. When we stand in the season and say, Here am I, Lord, send me. But as I said a couple of months ago, if we stoop before we stand, then we don't do it for man. But if we stoop and say, Father, what is it that you've called me to? What's the passion, the vision that you've created and given me? And what's my partnership in it? We are the ones who are most loved. Then we are the ones who are most free, the ones who are most willing, the ones who are most courageous. For Joshua, this is the moment, after wandering for 40 years. And friends, I'm wrapping up and I want you to say, 
that I think that there are a lot of Christians who need to become believers and disciples. There are a lot of disciples who are wondering what is the next thing. What is it that God has called me to? Moving from excuse to excuse, rather from passion to vision to faith. Our nation, our neighbors, and our neighborhood are looking for men and women to rise up and say, I believe what the scouts and the spies have told me. I believe there are people who need to be the spies. I was saying, speaking yesterday and saying that we need to be a group of people where we are giving, we are giving something, we are giving everything to something for the sake of the kingdom. And you may not be keen on being involved in worship and sound and what happens in that. You might not be somebody who wants to go into vegetable gardens and feeding programs. To go and do a veggie market and packing food and giving food to the poor. You might not be the people who want to go into the orphanages to go and help them. But then that, there must be something that you're called to. What is it that God is doing in you and through you so that you too can grow in your faith and that your neighbor, your neighborhood and your nation will see it? I'm utterly convinced that there are people in our midst who are longing, who are desperate for you, for what you and I carry. And they're looking for a people who actually believe not just the Word of God, but the person of God and what He's called us to do. This morning I believe God is saying to all of us, this is the time. This is your time. This is His time. What does that look like and mean for each and every one of us? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Won't you take a moment and close your eyes while some musicians come up and stand behind me? As I was saying when I first started this morning, I think it was before we, we went online. I know that God has got so much for each and every one of us. I know that there's testimonies and legacies and opportunities and moments for us all. And this morning, Holy Spirit, we say, here am I. No. This morning, I say, here am I. I don't want to say that on your behalf. But I'm hoping that if each and every one of us are able to declare that, there is that significant power in unity. 
with this unity God commands a blessing and we also have that phrase that we often use when people are dating you know don't be unequally yoked you must marry a believer but I think sometimes we get a hold of things out of context in business go into somebody business with somebody who's got the same values and ethos as you don't be unequally yoked in business no I can't I'm unequally yoked with Mark in running you know I do 200 meters and he does 20 kilometers so our running together can never really work but when we're more equally yoked we can do things together when there's that unity and I believe Holy Spirit is wanting to allow us to have a unity not just in spirit but a unity in purpose a unity in passion and a unity of faith friends we can do the most amazing things this house and this group of people can change our nation it doesn't have to happen by Tuesday but it will happen when we put ourselves together and make it happen won't you stand with me please and Ash start it off on 34. page 34 34 37 19 Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. 